Wow, it's special to be here, really special. Um, for those who don't know, this was our home church from 2005 till 2009 and we love being here and it's so good to see so many familiar faces still here and uh, it's good to see some new faces around as well and it's just lovely to see this church again. Thank you so much for uh, your welcome and uh, that we can come and share here um, what we've been up to and, and what, uh, what uh, MAF is up to in, up in Arnhem Land. It's hard to believe for us and for most people that we meet that it's already been two years. Uh, so it's probably pretty much right on two years that we've actually shared here in this church. And uh, so then in uh, April of 2017, we drove off, drove 7,500 kilometres up to Gove, Nalamboy in Arnhem Land. And uh, so we want to share a little bit um, of what we've been up to. For those who don't MAF, I know that a lot of people do, but MAF is is an organisation that uses aircraft in a worldwide capacity to bring hope, help and healing to remote and isolated people. So that's what MAF loves to do. We've got about 140 aircraft, we serve in 25 countries and we fly, I think, to 1,400 airstrips which is more than any other airline in the world. So we're quite proud of that. So this is Arnhem Land. It's a little bit small and hard to see, but that over there is Darwin. So we're right at the top end. Over here is the Gulf of Carpentaria, and we're right over there. That is Nalamboy there, that little tiny uh, town up there. Uh, Arnhem Land is, a, is quite large. Uh, one of the main features up there is the mine. So we've got a bauxite mine in the, on the Gulf Peninsula, and... Um, it, it, it really is quite a strong influence in where we are. If the mine wasn't there, it would be a very different landscape, but also just the community and the town would be very, very different. Um, so that's where they dig it out, and we can see it. That's where they're loaded. So um, over there you can see the, the loading dock, and then that's where the ships dock, and they take it over to wherever they process it. Uh, so that is a quite, a, quite a major influence that we experience up there is the mining community. So why Arnhem Land? Why is MAF in Arnhem Land? The reason is, is it's such a vast area and there's just not much out there at all. There's hardly any roads. But in between, dotted all over Arnhem Land, all over Arnhem Land, you find these tiny little communities. So there's like eight houses there. There's a, a few more over here. And an, a, a, a little airstrip. Can you see the airstrip there? And these are literally, when you fly over Arnhem, you see one over there, and then you see one over there, and you see one over there. And they're, they're still quite a distance apart, but they're dotted all over Arnhem Land. It's all these tiny little communities, homelands, we call them. So that's where people are living. But this is the access road. So that's the runway that we saw over there. That's the airstrip. And then there's a little tiny bush road, and it goes through here. But you can see there, the road is flooded. So for probably six to eight months of the year, some communities are just completely cut off from the outside world because it's just, as, as soon as rain falls and the water comes down, their roads get washed out and they just can't get out. So airstrips is really the only connection to the outside world. So that is why MAF is there, is to, to be able to uh, help those isolated people uh, live up there and to bring them the hope of Jesus Christ. So there's five ways that MAF serves in Arnhem Land. The first one is charter flying. So we do... Um, uh, people can, can charter an aircraft, they can fly from A to B, uh, so we're connecting the isolated people with the outside world. 
Um, then we've got the regular public transport. So that is something that we started two years ago where people can actually book not the whole aircraft but a seat. So it's a regular flight that happens uh, every day and people can book seats on that aircraft, which is much cheaper for them to do. So that's another service to the community. Train and send. So that is something unique to our program in Arnhem Land is that we bring in low-hour pilots, so pilots that have only just done their training and are not very experienced yet, so they can come to Arnhem Land to gain experience. Because compared to some other uh, programs, Arnhem Land is a very easy one to fly. So that apart from the weather, there's not too many challenges from the flying perspective. So the runways are still reasonably long and that there's not much terrain, so it's a good place for them to, to learn to fly in a math program, it's good for them to gain hours. So that's the train and send. Proclamation ministry, so that's a, a really exciting one. That is where math is directly involved in, in reaching people with the gospel. That is where we fly out to communities. We might take local pastors with us who fly to a homeland and we have church with the people. It might be uh, enabling a third-party organization to come into Arnhem Land and do an, an evangelism event. So things like that, that MAF is directly involved in the proclamation ministry and that is really exciting to be part of. And the fifth one is technology services. So that is um, where MAF provides access to digital technology, so be it through downloads of, uh, of data onto phones or um, we have solar-powered MP3 players that have the, the gospel recorded on it in the local language. So people can, can listen to it out in the bush, no connection to power, nothing, but they've got the solar-powered MP3 player and can listen to the Bible and share it with the people around them. And that is, that is really exciting because it just opens up so many avenues that didn't exist before. One Ex of the ways that Yongo, um I guess, express themselves is through dance. And you see that in the um, bongo or um, ceremony that um, is on the TV when there's an indigenous event and they take that dancing and and use Christian music and um, so express themselves in that way and that's a big part of their worship and places like Hillsong have actually given the copyright um, or waived the copyright um, for certain songs and so we're able to download those onto phones and give those to them. Thomas ended up out at a, a homeland and um, the pilot dropped him off to fix a plane and they left and the next thing he hears shout to the Lord <laughs> at massive volume coming from this tiny little community of five houses. And, it was um, actually the one that you just saw with the, the runway, the picture of the home, that was the homeland I was at in the middle of the bush and you hear this Christian music. <laughs> yeah, they like it loud. There's no soft. <laughs> it's blasting. So our first two years. So Arnhem Land is incredibly unique. We live in a tropical paradise in many ways. Um, that is sadly starkly cont contrast with a third world country. Um, we One of the biggest difficulties, I guess, is that going to Arnhem Land as an Aussie, I thought, yep, we're not much change, we're going to Australia. And... Um, it is. It's, it's kind of like walking into a ghetto in some ways in, um, in Yokala. And that is very confronting. Um, but on the other hand, we've, we've been able to, to also 
uh, marvel at God's creation. So the kids have really enjoyed that as well. So that one over there is actually a, a giant fruit bat that had landed in our tree in the backyard. So that was kind of fun to, to see that. The other one's a bog frog. So the kids have gotten used to it. They don't like frogs in the toilet, so they've gotten used to during the dry season, which is when the frogs come in, they flush the toilet first and, and check that there's nothing going to come out. Um, we haven't had that experience yet, but one of my friends um, had a frog jump on her while she was having her shower and was not impressed. So that's an olive python, which is actually quite harmless. Um, a shark and a jumping spider, which is actually only, the spider is actually only as big as my pinky fingernail. But um, for those of you who don't know us yet, Thomas is um, slightly obsessed with spiders. So <laughs> he, um, and snakes. And snakes. <laughs> so, so these are some fun things that are around. So he got, he got called to come and rescue. That, that is a golden tree snake. It's not poisonous at all. Kids don't try this at home like our son <laughs> did. Um, and then the beautiful um, lunar eclipse was um, not having any... Um it's amazing to see something like the lunar eclipse on a, on a remote beach with just no light pollution. No light, it's, yeah. It was incredible. So the remoteness is pretty massive. This beach here, it took us um, half an hour to get to. Um, and this one's like two hours. That's Cape Arnhem at the end. Oh, sorry, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, sorry, half an hour to get to and then two hours of roller coaster, four-wheel <laughs> driving that makes you sick. But again, it's, it's just such a contrast that, that there are these places and it's lovely to see when we go to places like this you do actually see um, Yongo out fishing or collecting oysters off the rocks and they're, they're in their natural environment and they're thriving as, as they have done for years like by themselves. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really, really interesting to see that, again, like I said, that contrast of the town versus when you see them out here. So there is uh, crocodiles up there, as you probably know, so when we do go to a beach, we just have to be extremely vigilant. So unless it's very clear and you can see a long way out, we don't go near the water. So if it's choppy or anything, we stay right back. So this is one of the few areas where, we, where it's very clear and obvious, so we do let the kids go a bit closer. So. But there's no actual swimming. So. Yeah, they can, they can get wet, that's it. Yeah. This, um, I'm sure all of you saw the Father's Day promotion for... Math. Um, the kids had a great time filming that, and um, and then we we kind of had a little bit of a shock seeing our daughter on the front page of math <laughs> magazines and pictures from churches where her face was plastered up. Um, but it was lovely for the kids to actually be able to be involved. They they are just as much part of the mission as the adults are, and to be raising up a generation who who know about the work of math, who know about going when God calls you to go. And they've watched their parents having good days and not so good days. And they know God's faithfulness through that. So it's amazing for them to be involved in promoting the work of math. So this is very special. We had uh, This was an event called the Jesus School. 
and Matt was actively involved in supporting that event. So we flew in a lot of people to that occasion and supported the team and, and were just helping wherever we could. And uh, we had, I don't know how many, there was a couple of hundred people, I think, that uh, participated at the actual course. But they saw people come to Christ, they saw healings, and, and just really the Spirit of God just moving in a powerful way. So we were there one evening. Can we go to the next one? And just just being part of watching the, the preaching take place and, and watching the dancing. and uh, it, it, Most of it happens at night because it gets dark at 6 o'clock all year round. So and it's, and it's cooler it, at night. <laughs> but it was, it was just lovely to be there and to just to feel the energy, I guess, and, and to, to see the response of the people. That is what we're there for. Do you know what I mean? That is what we're there for is to, to bring that hope of Jesus Christ to the people and to see them respond. And the exciting thing is that for the really pretty much for the first time in in mission work up there, we can see the work progressing from white people teaching the indigenous to the indigenous taking it on and teaching their own. So this guy here on the left hand side here, uh, Bunumbia, uh, he is really just taken on the gospel. So it was a, a math. Uh, employee or math uh, pilot, I think, who led him to Christ and discipled him, and and he was just so on fire, and he's still so on fire, and just really just taking it on. They is formed a, a group called Yolna for Jesus, and uh, they're going to to the homelands. They're going. Math flies them quite often to homelands to do evangelism, and the exciting thing is he speaks the language, but he also knows the culture, so he understands. To, to a much, much deeper level than we ever could of, of how people work and, and what, what makes them tick. And he's able to speak into that in a powerful way. So we're very, very excited about that. And so that's just glory to God. Through this as well, um, MAF has a, a partnership with Pioneers um, because MAF got to a point where we are a service um, mission. So we, we fly the planes, we fix the planes. Um, and more and more they, people in MAF saw the need for that proclamation ministry. And we can do that, but we're limited and just by, by sheer hours in the day. And so MAF realised that there needed to be somebody else who would come alongside and support. So MAF now has a partnership with Pioneers in Arnhem Land and pioneers are the ones who are doing the full-time proclamation ministry. And recently we had the, um, one of the ladies in Pioneers came to my Bible study group and walked us through a trauma healing course, I guess you would call it, so that they're doing with the, the Yongo people. And she said, like, I, she offered it to us and said, are you interested in seeing what we're teaching? And all of us said, yes, we are, definitely. And um, so she walked us through this course. It was about eight or ten weeks. And when she started it, she said that she will say to the young old ladies, you have bush medicine for all these different things. And they do. They know which trees to you eat the leaves of this one and it stops tummy ache and you, you like rub that one on a cut and it makes the blood clot and all that kind of thing that God has put in those plants. And they know all that. And she said, you have such knowledge in this, in, in all the different things that bush medicine does. Can you tell me, what is the bush medicine for a broken heart? And she said they, they went really quiet and 
Yongle people tend to think before they speak a lot more than we do in our culture. And silence is, we, you need to kind of get used to the silence because they'll, they'll just sit on it. And she said there was a long silence. And they said, Yappa, sister, we don't know. We don't, we don't have one. And she said to them, Jesus is the bush medicine for a broken heart. And through this teaching that it's beautiful to see because this teaching is being flown, like it's been given by pioneers and it's being flown out by math. And these, the Yongle people are, are doing this, these courses and they're going to their people and teaching them. And they're coming back and because they have suffered such trauma. There's so much hopelessness. There's just, there's such an apathy that you see people sitting there with absolutely no hope. And Bonabia has said the only thing, he said governments come in with, with their programs and, and different um, organisations come in with the answer and he said, nothing works, nothing works except Christ. He has such a testimony. The only thing that has saved his people, that will save his people is Christ and the hope that he gives. And the fact that we're able to fly that out is, is such a privilege. And to know that you guys are involved in that because of praying for the work. Is, is so cool. So in our first two years, we've also done normal life. So even though we have seen a lot of unusual things, a lot of new things, we did settle into normal life as well, which is so important, especially for the kids, is absolute key. Um, we're very, very thankful that there is a fabulous Christian school up there. And for a town of 2,500 people, and 700 kilometres is the next town, so we're quite remote, to have a Christian school, we do not take for granted. So that is just, uh, we're very grateful for that. In our first two years, we have met a lot of people. So this is the math team at our last conference. So we've got about 40 staff members in Arnhem Land and all their families. So together it's about 100 people. And yes, there's a constant coming and going. So um, we have people from literally all over the globe that, that working with maths, that is uh, cross-cultural work just within the team as well. So it, it can be, get quite interesting. But with the coming and going also come the goodbyes. And that is probably the one thing that we probably find hardest is to have to say goodbye to so many people that get quite close and dear and become family. And, and then God calls them on or they finish their training or whatever might happen and, and they move on to another location or are going home. And that is really hard just to let go again and again and again. And for the kids as well, we have found that is probably the hardest thing is because they might have a really good friend and, and uh, suddenly they're moving on and uh, that can be quite difficult. Gove or Nalamboy in general is a very transient community because the mine itself is transient so people come and go all the time with the mine 
uh, the health workers and government workers, they come and go as well. So we estimate that maybe about 10% of the population in Nalamboy is actually stable. It's actually there to stay and, and live there. The rest is kind of come in f to do a job and, and leave again once that job is done. And that is difficult, and you, you sense that in the community as well. And from the Yolno people as well, you, you sense kind of a, a, a caution. They're very slow to, to open up, very slow to actually build relationships, because so often they build relationships with people and then they leave, and so that is really hard. Not something that we can really change, though, unfortunately. So because of that coming and going we thought that our kids needed a stable little friend. <laughs> so our family grew a little bit and we bought a little puppy that was very little and now is not so little. <laughs> so she's grown very quickly and we love having, uh, having, that, uh, having her in our lives and it's, it's a lot of fun. So my work, I'm an aircraft engineer, as you might know. <laughs> and uh, so I'm involved in maintaining the aircraft up there, making sure it's serviceable, making sure that they're safe, as safe as they can be. And uh, that's a, a lot of fun. I really enjoy my work. Most of that work takes place in our hangar. We've got a, a fabulous facility up there. That we can fit about eight aircraft inside the hangar, which when a cyclone comes, that's a really good thing. Because <laughs> aircraft tend to want to fly off when strong winds come. Um, and so a lot of, probably 80% of the work actually happens in the hangar. So we do inspections, we do rectifications as it's needed. But every now and again, something happens and the plane breaks down at a homeland or a remote strip or somewhere. And even though we don't want that to happen, when it does happen, it's actually exciting because we get to go out. Which as engineers, we tend to be stuck in a hangar. We just see that. And so it's exciting to every now and again actually go out and see a homeland and, and uh, see the people there and, and get the challenge of getting the plane back as well. So this was one that happened um, only recently. It was probably about a, a month ago, maybe. Yeah. And I just thought I want to I want to show you a little bit what it's like. So that happened on a Friday. Tends to for some reason. <laughs> so then on Saturday we had to quickly assemble a team, and so we got two pilots, one to fly us in, and one to fly the broken aircraft back, and one to fly us back. And then other people get excited. And then other and people go, get excited. Can I come? <laughs> so we had one extra passenger who just came along for the ride. So it was only a short flight; it was probably about half an hour. But because it was Saturday, it had this weekend feel to it. <laughs> like we were working, but we also had fun. So the pilot decided to fly really low. So we flew 500 feet, which is the minimum altitude you can fly, 500 feet all the way. And it was along the coast, and it was river inlets and things like that, so we would follow the river a little bit, and, and we were looking for animals. And Arnhem Land is amazing. And people, when you fly high, you don't see anything. It's just too high. But when you fly low, you occasionally see an animal. Well, on this flight, we saw everything that the ocean has to offer. So we saw dolphins, we saw sharks, we saw manta rays, stingrays, crocodiles, we saw dugons, we saw all sorts of birds, and it was just, it was, it was amazing. So it was a lot of fun. So then we uh, got to the next one. So that's the approach into the airstrip. And it's a short little strip. It's known for wind shear, so you've got to really watch it as you come in. But our pilot was very experienced, so it was, was very good. So that little beep you could just hear, that's a stall warning. So the aircraft actually stalls as it, as it touched down. So the wing stops flying as it touched down on the runway. So he did a very good job. It was a smooth landing. 
And on the left, uh, it's just behind the center window post, but you can see the, that's our plane there. So that was left there for the night because we couldn't fly it out. And it had suffered a, uh, a hard touchdown. So the, the pilot is not super experienced yet. And as she was coming in, she had some, just misjudged it a little bit and had a, a harder than normal touchdown. Nothing bad happened, but bad enough that we had to go and make sure that nothing was uh, bent or damaged. And On that, we actually have three female pilots in, in Gove. So two, sorry, one two, left. One left. But she was the chief pilot. So the chief pilot was the lady. <laughs> <laughs> so because we had four people on board, I actually had some help because normally I have to do this all myself. And so it was really nice. I could just say, oh, pull this panel there, crawl in there, pull that panel there. So they did all the work. I just had to do the inspection. So that was, <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> so that's the aircraft there. We had to check up each side and just check that the undercarriage was still uh, attached properly. There was nothing bent or broken or that the tyres were okay. And then you pretty much inspect the whole plane. You look at the wings and the engine, the engine mounts, the tailplane, just to make sure that the hard touchdown, that nothing has deformed and nothing has changed. But we found virtually nothing, so it was, it, was, it was good. So that's us checking the wheel, making sure it was all right. And then we packed everything up again, so it, it, was, it was an incredibly hot day. So that was probably the downside. It was uh, 35 degrees and 80-something percent humidity. And I had a four-litre water bottle with me, and I drank the whole thing and didn't have to go to the toilet once. <laughs> it's just <laughs> just <laughs> But we got it done, and eventually we were ready to go again. So that's the takeoff of the other aircraft as we're departing Gathalala. So that sort of stuff is a lot of fun. It gives me a buzz. <laughs> so God has carried us through. It's been hard. Um, the spiritual atmosphere in Arnhem Land is quite oppressive. The build-up is um, quite strenuous. And recently our program manager... So build-up is when um, it gets more and more humid and it doesn't rain. And it gets more humid and it doesn't rain. And it's disgusting, um, to say the least. Like you, you, The other day was hot, but imagine sitting out in that heat trying to have a coffee with fans going above you and then you get up and you've got a wet patch all across your backside. That's, that's built up. And our program manager actually put in our weekly newsletter, he said, you guys, you're doing a great job and like, just remember that the build-up is hard. Let's acknowledge that. And no peanut M&Ms at the supermarket is not cause for divorce. Please remember that. And it seems trivial, but we all laughed because it was real it is really, really hard at that time of year. And when you are on the front line of doing God's work, then there are spiritual forces that don't want you doing that. And there have been times where we have had an argument or something and then gone, whoa, this is not how it should be. We've just, we've just gotten caught on that little trip over thing and you end up because you go to work and you don't like it, it just changes things um, when, you're, when you're in that if Satan, can, if Satan can trip you up he will and 
Yeah, it's about being on your guard and it's about you guys here praying for us and when we get an email from someone and you've just been particularly having a, a hard day and then an email comes and says, we've been praying for you, we're thinking of you or when, I don't know, just some form of encouragement, God uses you guys and other churches that we've connected with and he has really sustained us in that and it's his work Jesus said I will build my church he didn't say you go and build my church he said I will build my church we just have to be willing to be the hands and the feet and that is really something that is at, at the end of the day that is what matters is that, that it's, it's God who does the work through us it's not us and, and it's not him it, it's not us who touch hearts it's not us who bring hope it's, it's at the end of the day it's Jesus Christ and he's, he's the one who called us and he's the one who carries us through as well in, in the tough times so looking forward we know that there is some challenges ahead as well mm-hmm. our biggest challenge at the moment for engineering is that we have nowhere near enough people we need a team of about six engineers even better will be eight um, we have three at the moment and just recently our chief engineer has departed he has left to go to Switzerland with his family they've had a quite a long stint in Arnhem Land and uh, so they have left for, for now and so Math was looking for a new chief engineer and when it was announced <laughs> that, uh, that he was leaving all eyes turned to me we were like whoa, whoa, whoa where did that come from? <laughs> so um, and it was, a, it was actually a tough decision to make because it's not an easy job to be in. It's quite high responsibility. It's quite stressful at times. And with the challenges and all, it can, it can really be quite, quite, a, quite a burden. So we prayed about it. We talked to lots of people about it and really um, asked God, what, what is your will? But what we sensed was basically God saying, I've brought you to Arnhem Land for such a time as this. And when we look back, we marvel at God's timing in some of the things that have happened, some of the experience that I was able to have and licenses I was able to gain right at the right time and doors opened and doors closed right at the right time. And to see that is really encouraging. So we really felt from God, we felt a peace to say yes to that position even though it will be a challenge and it, there will be times when the work will be somewhere up here <laughs> and we'll, I'll have to learn to just be able to say no to be able to say look we can only do what we can do and just trust God for the rest so that's from my side of things but Claire's taking on some challenges as well so after 13 years of not working um, I've got myself a job um, I'm actually working for MAF 15 hours a week as the orientation and induction coordinator. So that basically is a fancy way of saying that I'm the welcome pack. Um, <laughs> I, as people are told, yes, you are going to Arnhem Land, um, I get in contact and I say congratulations. Um, I'm here to help make that um, transition easier. 
so I send photos, I do Skypes with people. Uh, for those of you who know the Simmonses, um, Mark and Jody, I have actually recently had a, a Skype call with them in Kenya to um, start their orientation process to Arnhem Land and we are so excited that they're coming. Um, as Thomas said, they've, they need more engineers. Um, we actually have a 20% uh, vacancy rate across MAF worldwide. So if you think of for every five positions, one is missing. That's huge for us. At the moment in Arnhem Land, we need a financial manager. We need a building maintenance manager, a building maintenance assistant. Um, if anyone has a trade at all, um, we need you. <laughs> Maintaining all the houses that the MAF staff live in is two full-time jobs. And those positions have been uh, advertised for eight years and we still haven't been able to find anyone. Um, we did have a building maintenance manager and he's just completed his term and they've, they've moved back to England. So that one is vacant as well. Um, we need a homeschool support teacher we need an executive assistant for our program manager. Um, those are actually the, the positions we have the, the most difficulty filling. Um, everyone wants to be a pilot because it's what math do. But for every pilot, we need eight people on the ground. And so if you know of anyone, if you want to come to Arnhem Land, and, um, come talk to me. <laughs> but it's, for me, it's really exciting because that... Um, it's been fun telling people back home what I'm going to do because it's been really nice. They said, oh my goodness, that's, you are made for that job and, and I'm really enjoying it. So it's exciting to, to be able to see God using those skills as well as uh, that he's given me as well as being mum to four amazing kids. So once again, thank you so much for having us. Thank you for letting us share. Thank you for letting us go over time and thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing so openly and honestly with us and um, be assured of our prayers as you go forward into the future. Our God and our Father, we want to say thank you for the things that we have heard today, the things that we've learned of what you're doing um, up north of us in those communities and Father, we pray for them today that you will continue your work amongst those people. Father, we pray that you would strengthen uh, the MAF staff up there and the work workers with pioneers. For all those, Lord, who go out amongst the community, we pray that you would be leading them by your Holy Spirit and by your Holy Spirit you will be doing a mighty work um, up in the, uh, the north of our country. Our Father, we would commit Thomas and Claire to you today. Mm. We thank you for the things that they've had to share on a personal level. And we pray for them, Lord, as they go back to the Territory, as they prepare themselves, Lord, for the uh, next chapter of what you have called them and asked them to do. We thank you, Father, that you have been preparing them for the work that you are now calling them to. And we pray, Lord, that each day as they look to you, that you would just be... Um, encouraging them and that you would be showing them that indeed this is the way that you have called them to walk. So we ask your blessing upon them and this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.